Let's all pray together. Heavenly Fathers, I want to thank you for this opportunity to be here all together to worship you in the house of the Lord. I pray, God, that you just open up our hearts and our ears to receive the message that you have in store for us this evening. I pray, God, for open hearts, that you would just open up the calloused hearts, oh God, that will receive your word in humility. And I pray, God, as you transition now to the message, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here listening here tonight, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, oh God, for you alone are our rock and our redeemer. We thank you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And may the name of the Lord be praised here on and forever. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Let's all take our seat. Let's take a moment to greet our fellow neighbors who are around us. Let's just say welcome. I know we're all kind of new here and not familiar with the people. But I just want to invite you here. Welcome to our anniversary weekend service. It's a blessing to be here uh, in the house of God. Um, do we normally leave the lights on, or you guys want the lights on, or it's good? Yeah, it's awkward. It's good to have it dark, right? Okay, so we'll keep it dark. Okay. All right, so let me begin today real quick with a title. The title of today's message is very simple, and it is called Rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in Christ. The scripture teaches us, the Bible, it teaches us to rejoice. Rejoice when the answer is in suffering. In who? It is in Jesus Christ. So can we turn to our neighbor at this moment and say rejoice? rejoice. And can we turn to the other side and say in Christ? So the question that I want to ask you is, when was the last time you felt true joy in your own personal life? True joy. When was the last time you truly rejoiced over something? I'm not speaking about happiness, for happiness is temporary. Happiness is based on our happenings and our situations. You receive a gift. You receive the thing that you wanted from Amazon. You get it. You're happy for a moment. But it flees. It goes away. I'm talking about true joy that's found in God that comes from our maker, our creator, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it very clear. He makes it very clear that there's only one truth, and it's the only truth that matters in this one finite life that we have. And this is the truth, that true joy, true rejoicing can only be found in Christ and Christ alone. So in our main passage here tonight, found in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 6 to 9. It's a very short passage, but Peter, the author, our author here, he's, he provides a message of hope. Can we turn to our neighbor and say hope? Hope, hope to who? To the sufferer, to the suffering Christian church, to the suffering Christian individual, for those who are undergoing through trials and pain and suffering. It's a letter of encouragement that no matter how dark your days may be, in Christ, remain hopeful. So before we start reading, are you guys hot here? Is it hot? It's a little hot? Should we turn off the AC a little bit? There'll be more. I think I left it in the office. Can you just check? 
But let's just make it, we'll make it nice and cool for you guys. So with that, let's begin. Our main passage found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. And it says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Verse 9, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. For those who are not Korean, you're wondering what that language is on the bottom. We did it for Ronnie because he only speaks Korean, he speaks Korean fluently. So we have it up there for you. So just, that's just Korean language right on the bottom. So again, rejoice, the definition of rejoice means to be joyful, to find delight, not in my situations or my happenings, but joy to find delight that is found in Christ. And the key word here is in Christ, just like our title, Rejoice in Christ. You may be sitting here today. Maybe this is your first time at church. You know, what is this? What is the song that they're doing? You know, what is a Christian? You may be wondering and thinking to yourself, what am I doing here? Why am I here? What do you mean to rejoice in Christ? I'm already a happy person, I think. I'm a bubbly person. What do I need to rejoice? What are you talking about? Some of you may be saying, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through or are going through. How can I rejoice when my heart is broken? How can I rejoice when my life is broken? Again, the answer that the Bible provides, again, the key phrase here is in Christ. So for Christians, meaning for those who are in Christ, this is the key, that there is meaning in your suffering. Suffering and pain does not have the final word to a Christian. Sadness and depression does not have the final saying, the final word in our final, finite lives. Suicide and death does not have the final word in our finite lives. There's only one truth, one person, one being that determines the final word in, our, in this one life. And he alone determines my beginning and my end. The title that the Bible gives to this person is the lion and the lamb, the beginning and the end, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the alpha and the omega, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can we turn to our neighbor and say Jesus Christ? So according to Peter, in 1 Peter 1, Peter, the writer, the author, he reminds us this. In our church, we do what we call points, so it's just easy and just, we go right through it. So start with point number one. Point number one is this. Suffering is for a little while. And if you can just, in your mind, just add the phrase, in Christ at the end. Suffering is for a little while. Verse 6, it says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. 
Though now for a little while, little while, you may have had to suffer grief. Grief meaning suffering, trials, and all kinds of trials. Meaning no matter how dark your days may be, it reminds us to rejoice, to hope in Christ. Peter, he's reminding us, don't be a fool. In this life, it's not going to be pain-free. You will go through suffering, and it's going to be hard because you live in this broken world. You will suffer, and you will face hardships, and you will face persecutions, especially for Christians. Jesus even says, he says, in this world, the words of Jesus, in this world, you will have trouble and persecution. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also in John 15. He goes on, he says, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. We just recently had our 9-11 on Sunday. We know about terrorists. We know about the violence that's going on. We know about children and women with sex trafficking that's happening all around the world. We know how scary evil is when we leave it alone, how scary and how quickly sin evolves. But to Christians, to those who are in Christ, a promise is given, letter A. So point letter A, it shall pass, letter B, you shall overcome. Again, add the phrase, in Christ. So for those who are in Christ, suffering will not last forever. How? Why? Because of the hope that is found in Christ. I saw a video recently about this guy, like new age guy. He says, like, in your exercises, don't count. You know, don't count. Just do them. Like, just number is just a number. Just don't even count. But I'm thinking in my mind, like, it's good to count, right? Because it shows you how you're progressing. If you're not counting, how do you know if you're improving? Two nights ago, I went for a run. Dan, back there, Dan, can you stand up? <laughs> we used to go for a run up this hill near my place, my house, and he would come with me. So Dan, you know that path that we take, and you know, running up a hill is good for you. It's good for your knees. It's, it's better on your knees, and it's actually really hard. But I went just to try, and I was doing it for the sake of today's message, just to, because I had an analogy that I wanted to use. And sometimes when I run, instead of just running mindlessly, I don't know about those run. Like, you know those runners who say you get a high when you run? I don't know what that means. I've never felt that. I've never, been, never felt that before, been through that before. But whenever I run, it's a hassle for me because I'm not a runner. And when I run, I look at the lamppost because I, I like to run at night. Like, you know those people who, like, take their shirt off and run during the day? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> run at night because it's quiet. There's no one there. And I will use these lampposts as points. So if I get there... I know it's going to end, so I can make it. And then once I get there, I find another one, and I go to it. And I know that it is for a little while. It is temporary. This suffering right now that I'm going through, this running that I'm doing, it will eventually end. Therefore, it gives me the strength to finish this run that I'm doing. So as Christians, we need to remember that it shall pass, and you shall overcome. During football practice, freshman year, we would do hills, and our coach would make us do hills whenever we would lose. And whatever point we lost by, he would make us do those crazy hills. If you know Demarest, that hill is very steep, and he would make us do hills. And then whenever we would do these hills, there was this Korean guy named James Lee. And he would always complain, so he would always make us, the coach would make us do more hills. And then, because as, as we're doing it, because it becomes difficult, 
well, the reason why we're doing more hills is because he's complaining. So my coach would come to me and he'd be like, AC, go, right? That's my nickname. So AC, go help him. I'd be like, why, coach? Why should I help him? Because you're Korean. He's Korean. So go and do it with him. So I'll I'll do it with him. And he would complain. He would say things like, it feels like forever. I can't do it. I'm like, no, James, we can do it. It's almost over. We can do it. Just stop complaining. Hang in there. We're almost there. The pain will end soon. So as Christians, we're able to endure suffering. Because we know it's temporary. It is for a little while, Peter tells us. What would you choose if you were to do push-ups? I give you a number 100 or go until I tell you to stop. I most likely would choose 100 because I know at that 100 mark, it will be all over. But who knows? That person who is giving you that push-up will go past 100. It will never stop. But as Christians, a promise is given. That suffering will end. Suffering is for a little while. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, for a little while. Point number two, embrace suffering. Because we know suffering is for a little while, we can embrace suffering. Again, add the phrase in your mind, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Jocko. He says what? Embrace the suck, right? He says embrace it. Suffering, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, is the badge of true discipleship, a true Christian. For suffering is an essential part of the Christian life, a necessity. It's needed for us to grow into the man and the woman of God that God called us to be. So verse 7 again, it says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Quickly, our soul point, letter A. Suffering refines your faith. Suffering refines your faith of greater worth than gold, it says. Trials are tests, and we cannot see God with a twisted view. But God gives us trials to prove the genuineness of your faith. Again, suffering refines your faith. Let it be. See God with clear eyes. I got a little clear eye here for you. I saw this in my office. I'm like, oh, I'll show you. Apparently, Angela, she works at the doctor's office. They said, don't use this. not good for your eye because of the what? Steroids? It's just, it's no good? Okay. I, I don't know. I use it because it's instant, but we need to see God with clear eyes, with clarity. For those who are wearing glasses, if you don't have your glasses, you cannot see clearly. If we do not see God with clear eyes, we will see God with a twisted view. Phil, my brother, (laughs) he's a very famous, uh, popular school teacher. So I hear. Is that true, Esther? Yeah, no. (laughs) She she said, no, no, no. Imagine there's a student or a teacher that spreads a rumor about Mr. Lee, right? Hey, did you hear? Mr. Lee beat up and stole a kid's lunch, lunch money, and like left him like on the floor and like took his money. And for those who have a twisted view of Mr. Lee, for those who see Mr. Lee in the wrong, with the wrong set of eyes, 
will say, see, I told you, I knew it. I knew that he would do something like that. But for me, I've known Phil since middle school. I've known him for a long time. For those who know him will say, and I would say, no way. He would never do that. You know, my brother, I know him. He would never do something like that. So in the same way, in trials and in hardships, may we know we must, we must see God clearly, accurately, and biblically. Why? Because you have a powerful enemy, Satan, that desires to destroy your faith, desires to keep you away from knowing God's true love. So in trials, we need to see God clearly and accurately, And biblically, why? Because Satan seeks to destroy your faith through pain, through suffering in your life, unfair treatment, unfair attacks, lies, sicknesses, and disease will either make you lose your faith, hope, and love in God, it will make you love him more. When I was younger, I used to do, uh, just help serve, you know, soup kitchen, right? Remember? Father's heart, and we would go there in the city, downtown, near Chinatown, and, and they would have a phrase that says, Daddy's not angry with you, because a lot of these people come, they think God is angry with me, God hates me. They have a twisted view of God. But you need to know that God loves you. And the truth is that when you hear the gospel, the gospel will either become your greatest hope or will become your greatest threat. So the question that I have for you today in your suffering, in your pain, are you seeing God clearly? Is your faith being refined or is it being poisoned through the pain that you're going through in your life? Let us see, bitter or better. Then can we turn that uh, fan light on, please? Thank you. It's a little dark. You guys are getting darker. Cause, yeah, thank you. Okay. Bitter or better? So again, just want to be quick with this point. Suffering makes you one or the other. Bitter or better in Christ? So the question that I want to ask is, is my faith in Christ genuine? Are you a true Christian? Do I really believe what I say I believe? And the question is, what do I really believe? Pain will purify or will poison your faith. In suffering, if you do not see God with clear eyes, you will see God and approach God with bitterness. And you will be angry towards God. And you will think that God is angry towards you. But if you have the right view with the right lens and the right glasses, and you see God with the right heart, with the heart of faith, your faith will be refined in the midst of the suffering that you are going through in your life. And if you fight the good fight and believe that God is good, you will say to yourself, even though I may not fully know and understand your ways, oh God, why I'm going through what I'm going through, I will still trust in you and I'll rely on you and I will hold on to you no matter what. I pray that your faith will be refined and purified in your suffering and not poison. What does Job say? He says, though he slay me, meaning God, He is God, yet I will trust him, him, God. Pastor Piper, he said it perfectly when he said, not only is all your affliction momentary, 
Not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course, you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, don't say that's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you. An eternal weight of glory. Therefore, do not lose heart. But take these truths day and day. Focus on them. Preach them to yourself. Every morning, get alone with God and preach his word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and care for. Just like the song, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. On Sundays, I usually sing in front of our guys because it's okay, but in front of you... I'll save it because it's it's so good. I'm not going to sing. But again, verse 7 is to test the genuineness of your faith. Test by fire. Embrace suffering. And number three, suffering reveals my genuine faith. Again, add the phrase in in your mind, in Christ. Because suffering reveals the true condition of your faith. It will show whether it's real or if it's fake. Suffering is the best way to test one's character, to test one's faith, to make one's character. Just like that quote, adversity doesn't just build our character, it reveals our character. And there's no greater way to test one's faith, one's character other than suffering. Like boot camp, you weed out those who cannot endure the suffering. People wanting to get in shape. They say exercise. There's no easy way. There's no shortcut to exercising. Everybody wants to take the shortcut in the easy way. People wanting to get in shape the easy way. And the question is, do you want to get in shape? You really want to get in shape? Here's a reality check. You must be willing to suffer. You must be willing to suffer in exercising. There are no shortcuts. Just like in earthquakes, when there is no shaking, everything looks good. Right? Every foundation looks strong. But when there is an earthquake, some buildings remain standing, some buildings get destroyed. And we see that all buildings usually, they usually have a stronger foundation because these new modern buildings, they shortcut, especially in Korea, right? They, buildings collapsing, bridges collapsing because they're taking shortcuts, not using the best material. So foundation has nothing to do with how you look, how you present yourself on Instagram, on social media. Strong foundation is based on your faith that is rooted deep down in Christ that cannot be seen. Only Christ knows. So in our suffering, in my suffering, is my faith found to be genuine, real, or is it fake? Because suffering shakes us to the very core of who I really am. And when you get shaken, sometimes bad things come up. Right? Like I have a bottle here that I have for many years now. I don't know how old. 
It's not growing anything, but I keep it in my office. And I put dirt in here. So whenever we're shaking, we look good, right? In front of people, we look good. We get out of the car, we look cool. Oh, that guy so much, this girl's so pretty. And we all present ourselves so good. But when we get into our fights, we go through our suffering, we go through our situations, when we're shaken to the core of who we really are, all the dirt, all the impurities come out, and we realize that we are not perfect. All of us, we are finite beings, and we all have sin. We are filled with impurities, and we are all in need of a Savior. And the only way that we can get this dirt out, we open the cap, we allow God to pour out his love, his spirit into our lives constantly. Just like when you do dishes, the lazy people who, when they do dishes, they just leave the water running, right? And the soap and just comes out and just overflows. And eventually, it gets clean. And we realize who, letter A, who I truly am. And let it be what I truly believe. And as fire purifies gold, as fire brings all the dirt, all the impurities to the surface, and as you make pure gold, and as God scoops away the dirt with our self-centeredness, our pride, our hatred, our lust, our anger, when these things come up, don't be discouraged because... We're all messed up. All of us. There's no one here that is good. No one. No matter how good we try to be, there's no one that can be good. Because we're not good. Because we're inadequate. We need a Savior to come to our rescue. To rescue us. There's a quote that says, Faith is easily hidden in the days of sunshines. But it's in the days of pain when you're shaken where your faith is shown for what it really is. The school of suffering is a graduate level of your faith. True Christianity is a way of the cross. Modern-day Christianity is pain-free. Go to church whenever you want. Easy living. Wealth, prosperity. Suffering allows you to partner and to partake in something glorious, that Christ has in store for us, a close relationship with the Father's heart. You cannot, there's no other greater way than for you to go closer to God than suffering because in suffering, you cry out, going back to your chatter, right? When you're, you fall down, you're like, ah, oh, you, who do you call out? Ah, oh, you call who? Ma or dad. Allows us to be embraced by the Father. You want to get to the next level of your faith, embrace suffering. Thank you for coming tonight and just for enduring. I know today we started a little late, and I'm just so glad and very joyful that you're here today, every single one of you. I believe that there's a reason and a purpose to why you're here, and we've been praying for you. Our team, we've been taking turns like fasting, also praying especially during the week, and just making sure that your hearts will be open and to receive not what this church can offer, not what I can offer, but what Christ can offer into your heart and into your life. Because at the end, it's not about a person, it's not about anyone else. Only Christ has the power to touch us to the core. He is the only one. And I want to close with this, and I'm closing with this, 
And I want to close tonight by leaving you with this last question. And the question is, what is your end game? Your end game. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, Thanos. <laughs> and the half of you will be gone. So here's the question. I want to leave you with this. What will you receive as your end reward? The end. The end. We only have one life, one chance in this one life that we have. There is no redo. There is no time machine to go back. There is no second chance once you're dead, you take that final breath. It's simple. Is it in Christ? Is it not in Christ? Is it in Christ? Is it in me? Is it in Christ? Or is it in my worldly success? And my relationships. Who is it in? Who is it in? The end. The end, meaning what you have lived for, what you have strived for, what are you living this life for? What is the reward that you receive at the end? For we all have an end, and the end comes no matter what, it will come in that final day. You may be youthful today. We got some youth group kids here today, Daniel and Eunice, right? Daniel Eunice. We got young kids here, and they think, you know, when you're young, you think you can live forever, right? Like, I would fall down. I remember I went skiing, and I would be like, I'm about to, because I can't ski. First time I'm trying, and I, I have to stop. I'm about to go off of it. I'm not, okay, forget this. I'm just going to fall. And then, duh, 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 duh. I'm like, I thought all my bones were broken. Oh, I'm not. You think you're invincible. When you're young, you think that you will live forever. But when you go to a funeral, when you have a loved one or a family member, a mom or dad that passes away or a person that gets sick, you realize how short and how weak this life is. Don't be fooled by youth, by how young and healthy you are today. Today is not forever. You will not remain youthful forever. Do not bank on being strong forever. The end. Again, the meaning is the object, the goal to which our life was directed to. The very thing that we live for our whole lives, the passion, what we sacrificed for, what we believed in, the very thing we live for. What is it? This is what Peter has to say in chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. He ends with this. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him whose him is Christ. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Verse 9 says, for you are receiving the end result of your faith. What is that result? What is that reward? The salvation of your souls, the salvation of your life. So at the end of it all, and at the end of the finish line, when we take that final breath, and at the end, when we have taken our final breath here on this earth, will you be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy? Again, joy comes from God alone. Happiness is based on your happenings. Will you have the salvation of your souls? In times of suffering, in times of pain, in times of hardships, what do you reach for? The relationships, the boyfriend, the girlfriend? The chips, the ice cream. Sometimes Ronnie, he eats. I, I, I don't want to give it away. <laughs> you guys want a chipotle sauce? The barbecue? He finished in two days. <laughs> Sometimes he eats the whole container, ice cream, in one day. 
You got to chill with that. It's for your heart. Stay healthy, Ronnie. I love you. What do we reach for? What do we reach for when we go through pain in times of suffering? For these are all temporary things. There are those who are in this room, you know, I can't imagine the amount of suffering some of you have faced in your life. You know, things that we will go through in the future, it will come and it's going to happen because that's part of life. And you will feel stuck. And at times, a lot of times, you will feel stuck and that's good. It's okay. That's normal. But when you're stuck, the message today is a message of hope for you. In Christ. In Christ, suffering is for a little while. In Christ, embrace suffering. In Christ, suffering reveals my genuine faith. In Christ, that's the key. You can rejoice in Christ in the midst of the pain and the suffering that you're going through that there is hope in Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus. Jesus says in the Bible, he says, I am, I am. He says, I am who I am. I am the answer that you are looking for. In prison, even in death, in sickness, in the end, there is salvation for your souls, the salvation of your souls. With that, I want to invite you to close your eyes with me. As I mentioned earlier in the sermon, trials are temporary. And I know that we came with friends and we're sitting next to people that we know and maybe you're embarrassed and you don't want them to hear what you have to say. But don't worry about the person who is in front of you, behind you, sitting next to you. This is between you and God and Him alone. Earlier in the sermon, I said trials are temporary. But here is the truth and here is the reality check. This truth is for those who are in Christ only. And as harsh as this sounds, it is only accessible for those who are in Christ. That, my friend, is the catch in Christ. If you've never repented of your sins to Christ, if you have never given your life to Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never declared Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this truth cannot be yours to partake in. This truth is not yours to hope in. This truth cannot be yours to hope for. Because if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, after this season of suffering in this momentary world is finished, there will be an eternal suffering that is that we will face for all of eternity. But praise be to God. But praise be to God that we have a mediator. We have the ultimate mediator, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he came to save us, and he came to rescue us. So first things first. This is a message for those who are already saved and for those who have already made that choice and commitment of following Jesus Christ and you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. But right now you're in a season of pain, suffering, and loneliness. 
can we just find hope in Christ again? For those who have been going to church, you may have a pastor or not a pastor. You may have small church, small members, or big, a lot of members. But this is between you and God as an individual. You may have lost your way. But can we take this moment right now to find hope in Christ again? Can we take this moment right now to remember him again? Can we choose him again? Can we give Jesus Christ our everything today, our pain, our confusion? May we run into his arms and say, God, Jesus, give me rest. Bring me to a place of rest. Restore me, Lord. I need you today more than ever before. And may you have a joyful end, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And the only way to have a joyful end is to have the good news. The good news is the message of the gospel, the message of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he came and he died for us, died for our sins. May you recommit your heart to him. And lastly, and I say lastly because it's the most important thing, for those who are here today, and if maybe this is the first time you're hearing the gospel, you're hearing the message of Jesus Christ. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have never surrendered your sins to him, I want to invite you here today. Again, this is our decision. Your mom, your dad, your friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend cannot make this choice and decision for you. Will you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you have never surrendered your sins to him, I want to invite you and encourage you to do so today. And if you're ready, if you could take your right hand, again, we all have our eyes closed, no one's watching. If you could take your right hand and place it on the left side of your chest, your heart representing your life, your past, your present, and your future, your whole being. It's simple. Just call on Jesus. Say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, wash me from all of my past pain and suffering in my present situation. May I have hope so that I may have hope for my future. Say, Jesus, I realize I have sinned before you. I have committed so much wrong in my life. Jesus, I realize there is no love that is greater than your agape love. Say, Jesus, save me. Say, Jesus, rescue me. Say, Jesus, wash me. Say, Jesus, restore me. This is not bound based on your emotional age or your physical age. From the youngest to the oldest, this applies to any age, to any person, regardless of where you come from. When you say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, wash me. Jesus, restore me. He will come and he will find you. He will meet you where you are. And this is the greatest and the most important decision that you ever make for all of your life. It's not which school you go to, which career you pursue, or who you marry to, or what kind of life that you live. But it is giving your life to Jesus. It's about being known by Jesus Christ and knowing Jesus Christ and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to give. You must give your life 
to Jesus. And only then will this apply, this message of hope will apply, not just for this life, but for all of eternity. And it will be the greatest and the best decision that you will make, not just for this finite life, but for all of eternity. Can we just come together right now? And just in your own voices, in the whispers of our hearts, do not worry about who's listening to you. This is between you and the Father. Can we just recommit and give our hearts back to Him? And as we pray, I want to invite the praise team to come up. Let's continue praying and continue worshiping in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I just pray, God, that you would just come. Bring us to a place of restoration, a place where we find hope, hope that is found in Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you strengthen us and guide us, lead us into the righteous path, the path that is found in Jesus Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and teach us your ways that may walk the truth of the gospel, God, for the Holy Spirit, that you come, that you just touch us where we are, and meet us where we are. Jesus, we need you. We cannot do anything without you. We're in need of a touch of a Savior to come and to rescue us. Lord, I pray, God, that our faith will not be poisoned through the suffering and through the trials and the pain of our But I pray, God, we refine refined by fire that be purified in fire oh God as all the impurities come to the surface as all of our lust and anger all of our sins as it is exposed God I pray that you will show us and teach us your ways that may walk in the truth of the gospel God I pray you will restore us to a place where we know you that we have a relationship with you to a place where we find the truth the truth of the gospel. We need you. We need you today, God. Just teach us your ways. Help us, Lord. Help us to see you with clear eyes. Oh, God, what is the end? What will we receive? What is our end game? God, my end and my beginning and my middle, God, is found in Christ. That is it. Nothing more, nothing less. Everything extra is all blessing. It's all an extra from you. For God, you are a God who gives and who takes. God, you are the one who was and who is and who is to come. Oh Lord, you are here today, the author and the professor. Strengthen us. This Nietzsche. Teach us your ways. you to pray continue praying if you must if you want to 
But we're gonna sing the chorus of the song. If you wanna worship, you can stand and worship. But let's just spend a few minutes worshiping and praying and just hearing and receiving the love that God, Christ, has in store for us today. I wanna invite you to be free here in this place. I know that it's awkward and we don't know one another. But again, it's not about who's next to us. For that person cannot live this life for you. It is between you and God. We must take ownership of the life, the choices that we make. May you choose Christ today. May you accept Christ today. May you follow Christ today. For everything is His grace. Let us worship and pray together. Sunday service in our Sunday sermon did a title on the cost of following Jesus Christ and on the flip side of that coin there's a cost in rejecting Jesus Christ Jesus makes it very clear that I am the way the truth and the life that no one comes to God except through me for if you know me you know my father that's what the Bible tells us in John 14 if you do if you know me you will know him and it says, if anyone comes to me and does not carry their cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. And with that, the cost in following Jesus Christ, there's rewards that we get. There's obviously good things that we talk about. Salvation, grace, mercy, hope eternal, life eternal, acceptance, restoration, obedience, a new life. If we all have a testimony of our old life, who I used to be, the old man, the old woman I used to be, but in Christ, I am a new creation. And the truth is, you cannot save yourself. And there's a cost in rejecting Christ. And the cost of rejecting Christ is the eternal cost. The cost is eternal damnation, eternal punishment, eternal hopelessness, eternal fear, eternal insecurity, and eternal sentence 
There is no Shawshank Redemption. But there is only one way that we have eternal life. And the answer is in Jesus Christ. And in that message we said, the only way is repent in Christ, faith in Christ, hope in Christ, life in Christ, righteousness in Christ, and obedience in Christ. So again, will we be bound under the power of sin? Will we live free under the power of God? Satanists will say, I'd rather be free in hell than to be bound in heaven. And that is the greatest lie of the enemy. Only, there's only true freedom that is found in Christ for you'll be free from your addictions, from your pain, from your suffering, and you will undergo suffering. But again, there's hope and there's meaning in your suffering allows you to draw near to the heart of God. So with that, we're going to sing the verse 1 of grace. And if we could all stand to our feet, if you have a hard time speaking the words to say, may this song, one of my favorite songs, may this song assist you in your praise, in your prayer, in your worship. Every blessing that I've taken pleasure in, every single moment I've ever spent, every single step I've taken from the moment you were an infant to the age that you are now, none of them I've earned was all by grace. It was all by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us all come and worship together. Every blessing I have taken pleasure in Every single moment I have ever spent Every single step I've taken in this life Oh, none of them I've heard all was by
In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer suffering grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled, and this is what we receive, filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end, the end, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the reward that is found in Jesus Christ. Thank you for bringing us here all together on this busy weekend. Lord, thank you for prompting the hearts of those who have said yes, who had the heart to come to receive your word. I pray, God, that the enemy will not take forth, take away the fruit and the seed that has been planted in faith. I pray, God, you will nourish it with your word, with your grace, with your love, and with the community and the church that you have placed them in. I pray that, God, you would flourish them, allow them to grow, especially for our young audience here, especially for this next generation. For Eunice and for Daniel, I pray, God, you would raise up this next generation, God, that you would bring passion and bring back forth. Oh, and I forgot Will. Will is so big now, I forgot. But Will, I know only Will since he was young, Enrico's son. I pray, God, you raise up this next generation to really find their identity that is not found in social media or found in the ways of their friends or what their friends say. Oh, Lord, they will find their true purpose, true identity as a child of God, that they will follow you. And I pray for this young 20s and 30s and 40s. My 40s are young, 50s young too. I pray, God, that you allow us to finish this life well. And the only way that we can finish well is in Christ. If you can leave with one thing, just please leave today with the phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, for all of your days until you take your final breath. In this finite, one life, one chance that you have, in Christ. Heavenly Father, guide our steps. Guide us in the right direction. And we will fall. We will fall many times. But Lord, though a righteous man falls, seven times he rises again and again and again and again. We will continue on relying on you. It is all because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the truth. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Your precious son, just cause me pray. Amen. And amen.